Linda Fields here. Welcome to my show where I will be sharing with you the strangest secrets to spiritual and professional success and productivity. Now, here's why you want to listen. I'm a preacher's daughter who went from wearing hand-me-downs to giving people a hand up in life and in business. As a woman, a wife, a mom, and a glass ceiling smasher, business owner, dream resurrector, and coffee aficionado, I love working with men and women like you, from the boardroom to the classroom. I've met with adversity, met with success, and overcome a few obstacles along the way. I've learned the strangest secrets of how to succeed as one who is a spiritual professional, empowering anyone who wants to fulfill their calling in life. I'm here each week to share the strangest secrets to success with you. So let's get started. I want to talk with you about your marketplace journey and how you found your why forward and and how all of this that God is doing in your life, showing up at these various points, has impacted the way that you approach work. And business, because often people think about work and what does God have to do with work? And does God even care about my work? Talk to me about your journey of discovery of God in work. I think back to watching my mom absolutely love to go to work. In her best days, she had some pretty incredible jobs and she I was very creative and I would watch her dress up. I would watch her plan her day. I would hear the stories. And my parents both did this. They would give us the stories in the evening of what happened at work. My dad with things that happened in the church, my mom. And this job I'm thinking of, she was the director of volunteers at the Baptist Memorial Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. And so she rode the bus every day to work. And she did a fabulous job. And some of the things she did were written up in the San Antonio Express paper. She led all the volunteer efforts and the candy stripers. And she had a a uniform made for me, a little candy striper uniform. And when I was a little girl, probably six years old, seven years old, I would go with her to work, be with her in her office and go with the big girl candy stripers to, in that day and age, take TVs to rooms and things of that nature. So I got a firsthand view at the joy of work, really in both of my parents and watching their experiences and entering into it. I mean, I spent a lot of time at the church as well. It was right across the street from our elementary school. And I would often see my dad in his study. Uh, I remember the lamp on his desk. I'll never forget it. I can hear the click of that lamp. It was a beautiful brown, long lamp that had kind of a swing arm on it. And I don't know how many people came into my dad's office where he clicked that light, put his pen down, turned his chair and talked to them. And he did that for me as his daughter. So I watched both of my parents actually demonstrate God at work. It was not a point of discussion. It was an experience. I observed it. I got to enter into their world. So I think both of my parents showed me what that was like without even knowing it. They didn't even know what I was getting out of it. But I loved work. My first job was as 16, actually selling tickets at the Rio Theater. And I was so excited to get that job and learn to count money and learn to punch that ticket button. And it was my mom had a lot to do with that. And the love of work and the love of God in work is something I saw very early. As you look at how that's played out for me, I majored in business, got a bachelor's in business because of my love for business, began 
down that road right out of high school. My husband and I finished college together. This is in a little hill country town of San Marcos. And we purchased a sporting goods store. It was called the Field House. And Rick ran that store. And we learned, I'm going to tell you that we learned the buying and the selling and the loving of people and the leading of people out. We found out about it like on the job. Uh, That was our first place where we were responsible for employing other people. And the college kids that we hired, we trained, they became part of our family. They came home with us and had cookouts afterwards, and we were very much a part of each other's lives. The lessons in that little store, I'm going to tell you, were, uh, were actually as powerful, if not more so, than what I learned getting my MBA about how to buy and sell and how to help people, manage people and lead people to be at their best. And so those were, that was a 10-year chapter in our life that was just uh, full of stories, having babies, having a store, managing people. And at the same time, I was teaching on the college campus right across the block there, two blocks away in the business arena. And as we did this, we found that we were telling more and more stories of employees who had returned to give us things they had stolen that we had no idea they had stolen, of people who had come back to tell us they'd found God or deepened their walk with God because of those years working at the field house with us. And we just began to have, I'm going to say, a greater awareness of the fact that God is, is working mightily in the marketplace during that time. I loved teaching college, did that for 30 years, actually, in the business arena. The university setting there started a Ph.D. and uh, communication at University of Texas. And as our story unfolded, we found ourselves moving to another location where I joined the staff of a college in Lake Jackson, Texas, Brazosport College. And I'm giving you some of the details of the stories because each of these things I'm mentioning to you are all things we prayed over, things we talked to God about, things we asked for God's will about. And when we came to Brazosport College, we began to be working in a whole different type of setting with people that were further along in their lives. The students at this college were going to be 27 years old instead of 19 years old because it was a community college environment. And as things went on, I found myself writing a a letter to God during a big faculty meeting where I was honestly getting bored. I loved my students, but I needed a new challenge. And I asked God to give me something so big, I would have to depend on him like never before. Well, long story short, and this is where a lot of what I teach came from, God gave me the answer to my prayers. They say, be careful what you pray for. But I was asked to spearhead a corporate learning center, an entrepreneurial center that was an arm of the college that met the needs for a lot of the chemical plants and companies in our area. South of Houston, a lot of oil, a lot of chemical companies. And I'll tell you, that was a wild 12-year ride where I watched God answer prayers like crazy. Prayers like who to hire, prayers like what kind of proposal to make to fit uh, the bill for some request to train 5,000 people in this topic or that topic. We use the term a lot, partnering with God. That sounds kind of formal. It was partnering with God, but it was like living with God uh, day by day, conducting a meeting in the boardroom, praying, operating on multiple levels. They don't know you're praying. But you know then to ask a particular question. You know as God leads you to 
look behind the surface of someone's situation or a particular contract deal. Now, when I talk about this, people always ask me right away, was that a Christian college? I'm going to tell you, it was a public college, but I'm a praying woman. And I feel like this whole marketplace journey, the reason it's so, so exciting is that we learn not that we don't need to hide behind a shingle of a church or a ministry or a this or a that. We need to understand God's at work in the marketplace. Uh, you know, G- the Bible tells us that Jesus had all the sick, this, all the sick were laid out for him in the marketplace and that he healed them all. Well, how many hurting people are around us who need to be healed from either rejection or from a physical problem or a family problem or a finance problem? And rather than trying to drag them in the church, which is great for them to land in the church, but if we could understand we are the church right in front of them and that we are positioned there to encourage them, teach them, pray for them. Um, so these are the kinds of things that have woven through my experiences from at 16 being a movie ticket sales girl to later leading a corporate learning center that affected the professional lives of over 150,000 participants and generated millions of dollars and changed the economy and changed the landscape of the lives of real people in a particular place. And so as that happened, I actually developed a higher view of God's strategy and what he's doing. We all look at it from the view of our own workplace, and we should, and we pray for our own co-workers, and we we bring some type of transformation every day. We should be. And uh, we have the opportunity to transform things with either more light or more discouragement, you know, but we get to decide what that's going to be. And I feel like looking at this marketplace thing, this marketplace journey, the way I found my why forward was the fact that I knew I was positioned right where I was to help men and women do two things, basically, know their God better and do great exploits, do the work, and that these two things go hand in hand. And so I'm pretty uh, set on this topic and this direction and this momentum, and it's my desire to help other people catch this reality in their own lives and actually begin to walk it out. I think it's the answer to a lot of unfulfilled dreams and a lot of latent desire for greatness that's within people that's fully within our reach when we just get hold of this simple reality that Jesus does the real stuff in the marketplace, the Monday through Friday in the nine to five. Now, you were at the the peak of your success with the training center, and then you prayed another prayer. And you ended up in an entirely different state and city and ultimately leading a marketplace ministry. How did that happen? Talk to us about that. You know, sometimes in our lives, I think we can sense when a shift is coming, some type of a change in season. And honestly, I loved what I was doing. It was fantastic. Uh, We were very happy in our community. We had good friends, a good church, and we're in a place where we'd raised our daughters to adulthood and just lots of great things. And, and you're kind of like, why would you leave that? And I'll tell you, it was the sense that what we had established was in place and there was an opportunity for a new season. I, this is one of the things I believe with all my heart that God never puts us on a shelf and says, that's really all I had for you. Now you just coast. There's always more of God to explore, more exploits to do, and getting to know God along the way. 
And so we had come to visit, actually our daughter was in Kansas City involved in a ministry at the International House of Prayer. And as we began to come and go here, we found out about a ministry that was already on the ground. At that time, it was called the Joseph Company. And I, I began to see that they were reaching out to people in the marketplace and helping them understand more about their work and their their destiny. So I saw a connection there that um, we believe was our invitation to change lanes, so to speak, and step out of the, the things we'd enjoyed and been greatly blessed by in our Texas abode there and start on a new path. So there's, I think uh, this is one of those times where you know there's a window of time to say yes. It's not like someday when you want to think about this. Uh, it was very, I uh, had a sense of urgency on it for us. And my husband, Rick, and I, through several prayers and several things that came about, uh, many different kinds of confirmations, knew that we were to take the leap. And so we made a move to Kansas City in 2007. Obviously, a lot of challenges when you make a big step with God, you're going to get get some hits, you know. And so you, you've got some time to where you're going to have to define again who God is to you in that season. So that was my entrance into marketplace ministry. Over time, there have been more changes where that ministry transitioned off. And we found ourselves wondering if what we had come to do was going to happen or not for us or if there would be a way to do it. And basically, that's landed us now in Seven Impact, where we're understanding a greater picture of what God wants to do with men and women in the marketplace. For me, what I would say is that regardless of a person's field, for us, we had a lot of experience in education, but that's not the point we're bringing forth. That's not what we bring forth. What we bring forth is the knowledge that God meets us hears our prayers, instructs us, and helps us to do the things He's put before us to do. And this is true for a teacher. It's true for a business person. It's true for a city manager. It's true for someone in the medical profession. It's true for the receptionist and the CEO. And so it's this knowledge that is in our heart, in my heart, my husband's heart, Rick, to help people in the marketplace work there like Jesus did. And so that's a bit about our, our move from Texas to Kansas City and how we've landed where we are today. Let's talk about leadership. That's a recurring theme in, in your life, and it's a big part of what you're, what you're teaching people today. And before we get into that, it occurred to me that there have been some very distinct seasons uh, in your life, and I think it's true for, for many people. There was the the season of discovering God in and and recognizing his presence in your life and him being there for you even in times when you didn't realize he was there and then you went through this this transition into into work and there again you encountered God in in the field house and in your work as a professor and then there's this, and there's this progressive unfolding that happens when you transition to Kansas City and you find yourself involved in marketplace ministry. It's almost as if you're being trained in these various, these various seasons of life and, and prepared for something. And then all of a sudden, you enter a new season 
where I've heard you talk about it as your redbird season, where just when you think that everything is going to break through, everything is going to open up, everything is going to unfold, and you're going to succeed, finally, (laughs) whatever that means, there's a setback. Mm -hmm. And that setback literally put you on your back for a number of months and something very powerful happened there. Talk to me about that. Well, that would be the year of 2012. Uh, You know, when we made this move, there were a lot of things that we walked away from. Uh, A house we loved, a community we loved, people we loved, a lot of great things that were very important to us. But I will tell you that the highest price for us making this move was leaving our aging dads. My dad is my mentor, hero. A lot of what I teach comes from watching him up close and personal. The most humble man that I've ever seen walking the earth uh, would be Herbert Lowe. And that was true, whether he was pastoring a church or whether he was later uh, serving chicken as the Chick-fil-A sample man. I mean, he walked with such integrity that people wanted to follow him wherever he was. I mean, that's what leadership was. And that's who my daddy was. And that's who I had to move away from to make this move. And although we were intentional to see each other about every three to four months, it was a, it was a, an ongoing pain uh, that I couldn't just pop over and have lunch with my dad or have coffee with my dad. And In 2012, early in the year, we got some news that he was on his deathbed, and it had happened very suddenly. And at the time, I had also suffered a physical ailment. I had a hip fracture. It had been in bed for quite some time. I was literally having to use crutches for this hip fracture to heal before I could even have surgery, which was going to be a hip replacement ahead of me. So it was major stuff that I was dealing with physically. And this was very unusual for me. I was usually the woman on the go and involved in economic development boards and what was going on, you know, and now all of a sudden to be flat on my back and now have this this real hit of knowing that I was about to lose my daddy on this earth was how 2012 started for me. And my husband got us up early, I think 3 a.m. maybe, and we hit the road and drove to Texas straight through, which it's like a good 15, 16 hours, to get to my daddy in the ER where I could see him one more time. And I, uh, in that ER, you know, my daddy couldn't talk to me anymore at that point. And he had basically had a really quick onset of septic pneumonia. And, uh, you know, he was a man on the go most of his life. So I'm so thankful he didn't, wouldn't put flat on his back for a long time. That would have been very hard for him. But in that ER, I got to see my daddy again. And I put his hand on my head. And I know that his, you know, I had his blessing. I, I had, he always was so quick to bless people. I mean, he blessed people all the time. He didn't even know he was doing it. He just walked in front of them like God would walk. He just talked to them like God would talk. And here, uh, the most important person from my immediate family on the earth was about to uh, leave the earth and go be with God. And so that 2012 began in this way. And then my daddy passed. And I hobbled back into the church on crutches. I'd left, you know, full of vim and vigor. 
um, short time before and now hobbled back on crutches where the church filled with hundreds of people who came in to talk about how Herbert Lowe lived the life they wanted to live. And pastors stood up, talked about how he served chicken and Chick-fil-A. A person who had stood before President Reagan presented a technology and had patented a technology, a scientist from one of the chemical companies there stood up. And he said, Herbert Lowe was the closest thing to Jesus I ever saw. And one man after the other stood up there and wept like babies, talking about the impact that my dad's life had made on them. Now, I knew I knew what they were talking about. I'd lived under this all of my days. And my daddy went to be with the Lord. Now, I came back here to Kansas City to have a hip replacement and go through all the physical therapy that goes with that. And later that year, to have another hip replacement, fortunately, you only have two, (laughs) and all the physical therapy that goes with that. And then uh, in November of that year, I lost my little brother. And so that has a whole story with it as well. But the reason I'm telling you all of these things that happened in 2012, it was a year of much loss, a year of much pain, a year of much grief. But in that year, what I have come to call affectionately the Redbird season, there was a time I was flat on my back, reckoning with the hard things of life and the losses I had incurred and was incurring. And my husband had put up some Redbird feeders, actually, outside my bedroom window up the hill. And in the winter, there in the early year, the ground would be covered with beautiful white snow and these startling, beautifully red birds, the cardinals, would flock to the bird feeders. And it was the most peaceful and beautiful time of reckoning uh, with the Lord. By reckoning, I just mean doing business with the Lord, me with Him, Him with me. And in this season, while I was uh, awaiting surgeries or recuperating from surgeries, my husband would bring me the coffee, put on my darling Czech music, my preferred (laughs) worship music, really loud. And he would open up the curtains so that I could see out the back. And he's later told me, he said, I knew my job was to get you, put you in that room, (laughs) give you plenty of coffee, open the windows and close the door and let you and God do business. And that's exactly what happened. The Lord would seemingly hold up various pain points in my life at this time and say, let's talk about this. And it wasn't I was hearing an audible voice of God. There was a knowing in my heart that the Lord was saying, let's just talk about that. Let's think about that together. And no matter what it was, he heard me out, of course. I have a big God. He's open to the questions, wants to hear them, knows the questions on our heart anyway, but we need to voice them. And the answer every time would be something like this. I would just hear in my uh, heart or in my spirit so clearly the Lord say, don't you think I saw that? Don't you think I knew that? Don't you think I had you? Don't you think I'm with you? Don't you think I've got it? And I'm telling you one by one, I could not find a complaint in my heart against God that could stay. Because of this extreme awareness of the Lord's providence, the Lord's leadership, and the Lord's love for me. And so I emerged from this Redbird season, actually, thinking I didn't ever need to write another book or give another talk or lead another this, that, or the other, that this was as good as it got. And actually, my husband and I 
call this the red bird season is a marker for us that no matter what comes good or bad, we will not take or allow anything to cause us to step away or out of this knowing of God's great love for us and leadership over our lives, that that is the number one deal. Anything else is icing on the cake or some other experience where you get to learn the love of God in a a new way. So I would say that 2012 season, the Redbird season, uh, level set us in a major way that what we want that to be our, our floor, like that to be the minimum of what we'll take as far as closeness to God and understanding of his watch care. So that's that Redbird season was a pivotal thing. And I'll tell you, after that, a lot of things did come together. And I, I, my sense was that the Lord's view on that was, you know, when you are in this place with me, when you're operating from this type of communion with me, I can put you anywhere. I can put something in your hand. I can take it out. I can turn it around because nothing else will really throw you off center for long because you know the base of what you've got in God and that that becomes your, the crown jewel is like how I like to describe it. That We come to understand the Lord is the crown jewel and anything else that comes uh, can be enjoyed, can be learned from, can be experienced that's how I talk about the Redbird season. We hope you're enjoying listening to the Linda Field Show. If you would like to connect with Linda's message and receive a copy of her book, Find Your Wife Forward, visit lindafields.org forward slash books.